the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday evening. And uh, as we're ending 2019 and beginning 2020, uh, it's now become a regular tradition that we have Bob France from WHK The Answer on to share with us what happened last year and what might be happening this year. So, Bob, thank you for joining us, as always. Mr. Advocate, I wouldn't miss it. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, you're, you're so welcome. And it's uh, a routine now going on four years. You've been uh, at uh, WHK now going on five years uh, in January or February. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, January. Yeah, as a matter of fact, just uh, next week uh, will mark uh, my fifth year uh, working for WHK and Salem Media. And I'm, uh, I can honestly tell you, in all the places I've been, I've been in radio now for 23 years. I've never been happier than I am where I am right now. Well, we are so glad to have you here in Cleveland. And uh, for those of you, if anyone is out there who has never heard Bob France, he's on Monday through Friday here on WHK at uh, 9 a.m. from 9 to 11. And uh, you hear him at all other times, too, now. Over the last uh, several years now, you've been doing uh, sub... uh, you know, hitting for um, everybody, I think. Uh, Hugh Hewlett. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Literally everybody in the Salem lineup now, from Hugh to uh, Dennis Prager to Dr. Gorka, now that he's doing afternoons, and uh, and Larry Elder, I do. I, uh, I'm i able to slide in uh, whenever any of them need a break uh, or have a conflict or whatever. I get a lot of phone calls, and I'm more than happy to do it. Now, now what it means to me is that my car radio is set to 1420 WHK, and uh, it's weird because at all different times of the day, I can hear that voice of Bob France talking either nationally or locally here. But uh, it's, it's great to hear you and great to have you on. Uh, you know, we've talked before over the years about, uh, I asked you a question one time on, on one of our interviews, how do you prepare for the show? And it, it's evident that you're always preparing for the show. Uh, whatever's going on nationally or locally, you're on top of it. And as a result of that, spending five days a week at least talking about it, you basically have a great perspective on what's going on around here. So what I'd like to do is go over some of the things that have been going on in 2019 and just get your take on it. Uh, okay. W- one of the things, and uh, you know, we, uh, wife and I have been traveling to Europe and so on, and uh, people look at the United States as being some very, very dangerous place because of all the mass shootings. In uh, 2019, we had El Paso, Dayton, Virginia Beach, Santa Clarita, uh, people being shot by uh, people who generally come out with a history of mental illness. Uh, what what do you make of that, and are things getting worse? Are, are we moving in any direction? Uh, there's the conflicting situations between uh, mental health and right to bear arms. What, where are we heading? Yeah, well, that is a... That is a common theme in a lot of those, not in all of them, but in a lot of them, it is a mental health issue, and I think that is something that needs to be, uh, you know, that does need to be addressed, but it needs to be addressed from a uh, from a common sense, and more importantly, from a rights perspective. Um, you know, the one thing that I, I would not like to see happen as a result of these things is to see, you know, innocent people who have not done anything wrong. Uh, lose some of their constitutional uh, rights uh, as a result of this and in two different ways. Number one, there's you know an almost constant uh, movement to disarm the American population completely, uh, taking guns away from uh, uh, you know from from law-abiding citizens who want nothing more than to protect themselves, their property and their family uh, as the Constitution dictates that they can. Um, and if need be, to band together to protect against, you know, whatever threats that might, that might arise. Um, I don't want to see that ended because people shouldn't be, shouldn't be punished for the bad actions of other people. And then the other part of that that I find really disturbing here in the state of Ohio especially is because our governor, Mike DeWine, who is, you know, a Republican, but um, 
quite honestly, uh, doesn't act as one in a number of cases. Um, you know, he has indicated support for red flag laws, which we simply cannot allow to happen, which, for those who don't know, red flag laws are when uh, somebody can blow the whistle on somebody else to, you know, government authorities because of their take or their belief in somebody else's mental capacity or somebody's you know, uh, state of mind or somebody's state of anger or whatever the case might be, um, you know, can uh, can call authorities and have them denied their constitutional rights based on somebody else's observation. That's a very dangerous thing. Well, and it so, is. Uh, no, I was just yeah, going to I'm say, sorry, with, with regard to the red flag issues, is that yeah. the big question from a civil rights standpoint is uh, how do you get someone on that list? And more importantly, if you're put on that list by somebody for any reason, how do you get off of it? Right. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, and that and that's the key. Even if you are no threat to anyone, if someone, you know, depending on the severity of the law and how you know rigidly it's written, uh, even if you haven't done anything wrong and you can prove it, and even if you're not a threat and you can prove it, the fact that you have to prove it is an extreme violation of your rights because you have to go to court. You have to lawyer up. You've got to spend money on attorneys to be able to get out there, and who knows, maybe on psychologists to say this guy's got a clean bill of psychological health. He's not a threat to anybody. This person that um, you know threw the red flag on him was wrong. It's an extraordinary imposition on someone's personal life, on their finances, uh, and on everything to, to try to have to prove that you are not the threat that somebody else whether it be a family member or a coworker, a neighbor or whatever might say you are. So the one thing I, I really am looking in 2020 and, you know, responding to 2019 to when it comes to that is, is making sure that people are not victimized by other people's irrational fears. Well, it's true. And just uh, within the last several weeks, there was a uh, shooting in a church in Texas and the shooter was uh, shot uh, and killed by members of the church who had their own security uh, details. So, as far as are we resorting to this? Let's hope there's a different trend with regard to people losing their fascination with shooting innocent people. Well, I, I would say this though, in response to that, um, that story you're talking about, which of course happened right at the end of 2019 in Texas, um, was was a great example of how it's supposed to work. Now, you wish you would even the even the gentleman. The parishioner who shot and ended the threat after two lives were taken, saving potentially 200 other lives in those pews, uh, as he said, uh, I, I wish I never, ever had to use the training that I have. Uh, he's the head of, head of security for that church, and he said, I hope I never have to pull my weapon on somebody, but I train, and we, other members of the security team, they're trained to make sure that we can respond to a threat if something does happen. And and Nick, that's that's the answer. Um, you, you may notice, and, and I don't want to get too far off into it here, but you, know, you may notice that the vast majority of these shootings we saw in 2019 and in years gone by are in places where the shooters expect no trouble. They expect no one to fire back at them. They're going into schools where guns are forbidden. They're going into churches where guns had been forbidden until play until uh, the state of Texas greenlit the law that said parishioners can carry in in the house of worship. But we're seeing you know we see people um, uh, who are sitting ducks, literally, who can't fight back against those who would wish to do them harm. And and when you know when things like this happen, what happened in Texas? I think that's the answer. We need to tell would-be killers that, you know, you're not just going to go in there and find uh, a bunch of sitting ducks as you just take your time executing all of them. You might get shot back at. That usually gives them pause and makes them say, maybe I don't want to do that after all. So I hope that there is a lesson that can be learned by a lot of people after what happened in Texas. Well, I, I, I hope so, but uh, if the people are mentally ill to begin with, they may not be paying attention uh, and not be too much aware of that. And you wonder how many of those no, they people do. The, I disagree. I, dis I disagree, though, Nick. They do because you notice they're not going into places that allow concealed carry. You know, there are signs on doors that say, you know, we welcome concealed carry here. They're going into places that have guns, even if they're mentally ill. They're choosing their targets very carefully, si places with signs on the door that say, we are a gun-free zone, uh, weapons not permitted of any kind. They know when they go into those places, mentally ill or not, that they have a, uh, you know, a defense 
defenseless uh, 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 you know group of targets mm-hmm. in front of them. So I, I really think that telling them. Uh, you know, with signs and, and, and in other ways publicizing that uh, there will be no soft targets anymore, even even mentally ill people to get that message. Well, that that is encouraging. So we have, like you mentioned earlier, the loss of innocent human life is yes. something that we should just, uh, you know, we can't tolerate and have to take some kind no, of No, we cannot. Now we're going to take a short break. We're talking to Bob France from WHK, The Answer. Uh, the, the morning guy over at WHK, and we're talking about the things that have been uh, in the news back in 2019 and what we're going to be talking about in 2020. Uh, next, we're going to be talking about, after the break, we'll be talking to Bob about uh, fake news and where do we get our news and wh- what do we make out of the impeachment stories that were dominating the news throughout 2019. We'll take a short break. We'll be back. We're talking to Bob France. You're listening to Nick Phillips here, the advocate on WHK. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. And we're talking to Cleveland's own Bob France. Uh, the, the daytime morning show knows everything about what's going on in politics and in the news. Bob, thank you again so much for joining us at the beginning of 2020 here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Nick. You know, in the last segment, we were talking about mass shootings and how that, that was a threat. But uh, the other big stories that I think dominated the news throughout, we're always looking for insight and guidance. And I know since I mentioned last uh, segment that you really keep track of, of all the news, each news cycle, and you're on top of things. What we call the impeachment year, I think, uh, and the issue of fake news, because I think depending on what story you want to hear, you can either look at uh, MSNBC on TV or look at Fox News and hear the reports from two different universes. Um, First off, with regard to news and the media, 
Where does one go to get a, a true, uh, unbiased, reliable, trustworthy report of what's going on, rather than skewed opinions one way or the other? I hate to say this, Nick, but I don't know that that exists anymore. Not in, not in, not in the modern age of media. I'm afraid um, you might be right on that. Yeah. Um, but we still, look, have to make I, we still have to make decisions, though, as uh, good citizens of this country. Well, we, we do. You're right. We do. But but you know, unfortunately, we are in a in a place now, especially because of the internet. People use so many other people's opinions um, uh, as the source of their actual news, and they can't tell real news from fake news or slanted news from straight news. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, you know, Nick, I, I talked about this on my last show of the year. As a matter of fact. Um, you know, the fact that um, uh, the reason Fox News was born, they just reported at the end of the year on on, uh, on Tuesday on the 31st, they, they literally had their very best year ever in terms of ratings. They are a juggernaut of ratings. And, um, and, and people are asking the question, why? And the reason why Fox News thrives and triples the viewership of, of shows on CNN and MSNBC is because they offer something that people can't get anywhere else. And that is the other side of the news, the, the conservative side of the news, or points that the conservative side would like to emphasize. Because the, main, the mainstream news uh, uh, is dead, as we have known it. Journalism in the New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, San Francisco Chronicle, you know, and, and on the networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, is so different than what it used to be. The reason Fox News was born is because people knew they were only getting half the story, and they wanted the other side. So here comes Fox saying, we'll give it to you. And, uh, and then the response to that was CNN and MSNBC, which, you know, responded with, well, here's more of the other side, more of the left side of things. So, and now it's just a matter of what do you believe? And you flip to the network that best reflects your beliefs, even oh, if sure. you're not getting the whole truth. But you are, you know, Fox News and conservative talk shows like mine and everyone else at Salem, we exist because we provide something that, that was missing in the mainstream news media, and that is objectivity and fairness and presenting both sides of the story. We exist to provide the, you know, we're a counterweight to, to balance the scales. Well, you know, that that's true, and I can see that people uh, moderate are relying on facts before they make decisions uh, are, mm -hmm. are pretty much stuck with one side or the other, and they have to sort through yeah. and root through the information that's coming out and try to decide for themselves which is more believable and which, which is not more believable. Agreed. Uh, another story that uh, was big in 2019 early on and uh, sort of fizzled out is immigration. Uh, the fact that we had large numbers of people coming into the country, that seems to be slowing down a bit. and uh, But it's not in the news now as we're ending the year and beginning the new year. what What's your take on immigration? Is that a dead issue for now, or are we going to revisit it in 2020? Definitely not uh, a dead issue at all. In fact, it's going to be one of, the, one of the, the front burner issues as soon as the impeachment sham ends in the United States Senate. Uh, it is kind of amazing, isn't it, uh, Nick, that for you know a good portion of 2019, we heard people on the left side of the political ideology spectrum screaming that children in cages on the border was the greatest affront to the history of humanity, and oh my gosh, we have to do something, we have to stop it. And then the phone call to Ukraine happens, and the left is immediately screaming about impeachment, and not one word about kids in cages is mentioned again. Um, so so it's, it'll be brought up when it's politically expedient and convenient for them. And once we get into the full uh, 2020 election cycle and away from the actual impeachment nonsense, yes, uh, the president will once again remind everybody about the incredible amount of drugs that flow across our border because we have uh, uh, too many open, uh, you know, too many uh, loopholes, if you will, that allow people to bring them into this country. And, uh, you know, the, his opponents will continue to say, you're just being racist. You don't want to have brown people in the country. It will be just as big in 2020 as it was in 2016 and, and really uh, discussed over the course of the last three years. You know, I was listening to your last show of 2019, and an interesting uh, point came out, and that is people uh, in this country and outside of this country are fighting to get into this country. Uh, the fact that we do not have a problem with people just... Uh, 
forming a mass exodus out of the United States. And then if this country is so bad, why are people still trying to get into it? Exactly. That is exactly right. And then that is the, that is the, the conundrum that I would love to hear, you know, the, the left address, because they're the ones who are literally, uh, you know, on, on both of those issues. They're the ones constantly complaining about how bad the United States is and how racist it is, uh, especially under Donald Trump. And yet they want to welcome uh, people into this country and people are flocking to our borders to try, you know, forming caravans to get into this country. Why would they want to come? to such a, a blatantly racist and oppressive society. Uh, and the answer to that question, of course, is it's not a blatantly racist, oppressive society. It's the greatest source of good in the history of mankind. We take more people from poverty to, to uh, success and to uh, not only surviving but thriving than any other nation on Earth. And people know this is the best place to make that happen. And we just need to make sure that in order to keep that the case, that our laws are followed, that we know who's here, and that we know, uh, you know, you know, that we uh, uh, that, that we keep up on on uh, you know the population, and and obviously on what we do as far as being able to pay for and provide resources for the population. Well, I just made a note that there's no price for freedom, and I think one of the biggest attractions is you can come to this country from anywhere if you get in legitimately, right, and enjoy the freedoms that this country, like no other country, offers. And uh, that that's the big, the unending attraction to why people all want to come to the United States. Still. I totally agree. Yeah, the freedoms here are, are unlike no other. That's not to say there aren't other free nations in the world. There are. But there are things that are unique to the United, United States that make us the, the, the gold standard, if you will, the standard bearer. Uh, we are the, that's why, you know, people claim they're... Uh, uh, escaping, trying to escape um, uh, either religious or, or, or you know, governmental uh, uh, assault, and I'm failing to remember the term right now. But as they seek uh, asylum in the United States, mm-hmm. they're 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 supposedly trying to flee persecution and by their own governments for various reasons, and uh, they're not stopping in the next nation. Uh, which isn't persecuting them, they're continuing through that nation to get to our nation. And there's a reason for that. Uh, It's not just about escaping persecution. It is about uh, trying to achieve everything that the American people have in terms of the American dream. Well, and the American dream is still there. And in one time, we just have a couple minutes yet, but I wanted to just see your comments on um, indicators of national health, which I don't think are getting played up enough. For example, just real quick rundown. Um, the stock market is doing fabulously well. Unemployment down to record lows. Employment doing great. Uh, the fact that having freedoms plus a strong economy, why do you think that's not being played up and will, will people start realizing more of that next year? Well, it's not being played up by the national media because it would actually assist the man that they want to replace. It will help Donald Trump if the American people are made aware. Uh, And they are aware, by the way. The American people aren't stupid. They can see their paychecks. They know they're higher, both because taxes were lowered under Donald Trump and because wages are at a 10-year high in terms of their increasing. They know that the unemployment rate is what it is because they have the jobs. They know that all of these tremendous successes, their 401ks are being padded by a booming stock market. And, uh, you know, so the, it, it's in the, the media's best interest, those media members whose agenda is to remove Donald Trump, which you can see on a regular basis, that is their goal. Uh, they don't want to tell everybody about the great news. It'll be up to the Trump campaign and the Trump team and conservatives uh, on radio programs like mine to remind everybody and to tell everybody exactly how, uh, you know, wonderful this economy is and what led to it, uh, you know, especially as it, uh, as it is compared to the last Democratic administration, which did recover from the recession, but an enormously slow rate with right. very, very weak recovery. And it was a jobless recovery in large part uh, because of, uh, you know, the, the, they abandoned manufacturing and said that it was never going to be able to be brought back to the United States. And uh, guess what? They were wrong. You're it's wrong. back. And it's back well, in a big way. And the Americans are, are thriving because of it. Well, we're, we're talking to Bob France from Cleveland. And uh, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. But you know, just a closing comment, uh, the phrase, make America great again. I think America is great. And uh, I think looking into 2020, it's going to be another great year. And uh, everyone keep out. And Bob, stay out there and keep doing what you're doing for us and keeping us informed about what's going on. Well, 2020 will be an important time for us to defend our great republic. It is a great country, and it needs to be defended, and that's what we will be doing uh, throughout the year 2020. 
Oh, so good, so good. Okay, that was uh, Bob France. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, tonight we're talking to uh, former Congressman Jim Renacci, uh, and we're going to find out, um, you know, refresh our memories on what he did in Congress and find out what he's doing now. Uh, Congressman Renacci, thank you for joining us tonight. Well, good evening, Nick. Uh, thank you for having me. As, as always, uh, for for people who haven't uh, been familiar with your name or what you were doing as a congressman, tell us a little bit about uh, your your background and what led you to go to Congress. Because you did serve, I believe, what four terms in Congress, uh, which was well, significant Nick, time. Yeah, sure. I was a business guy. I started my first business at the age of twenty four. I'm a certified public accountant. Um, and my first business was in healthcare. I spent about 18 to 20 years in healthcare, still actually do some healthcare work. And then I uh, sold that business, got involved in a number of other business, still kept my CPA practice. Uh, but I had Harley dealerships, Chevy dealerships, a, a number of businesses. I went to Washington uh, because my Chevy dealership was taken away from me in 2009 in the, in, in the uh, General Motors bankruptcy. and. It was a point in time where I just felt the government was getting too much involved in uh, my business and other businesses and uh, contacted my congressman. Uh, he said he would help. He didn't. And in the end, I just felt that we needed people in Congress that had a business background like I did. And uh, I ran against that individual and was elected in 2010 and started serving in January of 2011. I was there for eight years, four terms, four two-year terms, and uh, during that period of time, I learned a lot, but I also learned about the dysfunction in Washington, which is 
one of the reasons I wrote a book. But at the same time, I realized that the answers to our problems are probably not in Washington. They're back here at the state level. And in 2017, I made the decision that I was going to leave Congress, run for governor. Um, and then in 2018, I got a call from the President of the United States asking me to run um, in the Senate seat uh, where Josh Mandel had stepped down. And uh, I, I did do that, even, um, even though my concern is still for the state of Ohio, uh, because the federal government, <clears throat> I believe, is a broken system right now. And then again, I spell that out in the book, and I spell out some solutions. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I spent two years campaigning, not only for the governor's race, but also the Senate race, got to know every part of Ohio. Um, and then I did lose that election by a very close margin. But uh, I started a foundation in January called Ohio's Future Foundation, talking about the problems that exist in Ohio and the problems going forward uh, for Ohioans and the state of Ohio. And We've uh, this year. I've spent a lot of time just traveling the state and talking to people and talking to businesses. Well, that that's quite a history. And, and first off, let me thank you for your service uh, as running for political office, being elected to political office, uh, and then serving in Congress. Uh, it, that's quite a job. And then also for putting yourself back out there to run for political office uh, again and again. Uh, I, I think anyone who does that and subjects themselves to political campaigns are special people just to begin with. Uh, but you and I have known each other for many years uh, throughout all of this, and uh, I was always very impressed with the fact that when you went to Congress, that uh, you you went to Congress to work, and you went to Congress to uh, uh, basically attack things such as the national debt and the federal budget. And uh, with that, even I remember one of the hallmarks of your tenure was where you would have um, weekly, uh, basically, joint political party uh, breakfast meetings. You would have that weekly where you would get people together from both sides of the aisle to attack problems and set agendas. So when you did go to Congress, and uh, you know this is after your Chevy experience, and like you mentioned, you are a CPA, which gives you... A clear head, I think, in looking at numbers. Uh, how did you find Congress? Uh, the I know the national debt has been climbing up, and now it's somewhere what over eleven trillion dollars, or twenty-two tri- trillion dollars. Um, how did you find Congress receptive to actually trying to to work this debt problem, or, or how did you find it? Well, Nick, here's what I found. When we got to Washington, uh, if you remember, in 2010, the Republicans took over the House of Representatives. There was this big push that we were going to eliminate debts and deficits. We were going to fix the way things worked. There were a lot of good people that came there and were sworn in in January of 2011. A lot of them have left because of the same problems I saw, which were a dysfunction. Uh, It was more about power and money than getting things done for the people. Um, These are some of the things I wrote in the book and also the processes. You know, our forefathers put together some really great processes, but none of them are followed. And even if you look at the current impeachment situation, we have a House that did not follow the the proper process. But now we have a Senate, which is also talking about not following the proper process. So, you know, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, American, whatever you want to call it, call yourself – you still have to look at the processes that are being broken and just not being followed. And all for one reason, to keep the power, um, whether you're the speaker, whether you're the majority leader in the Senate, it's all about keeping power. Um, It's not about working for the people. And uh, it's one of the reasons I wrote the book. So it was also one of the reasons I left. Uh, Deficits at that time, when we first got there in January 2011, we're hovering around $10 trillion. Today, they've just crossed $23 trillion, and nobody seems to want to talk about them. And Republicans um, aren't talking about it anymore, even though that was a major issue just a decade ago. Well, when uh, you, you just mentioned something about people in Washington, generally speaking, uh, how they're, they're looking at their responsibilities. And uh, I, I've heard it said that uh, years ago, people would run for office. They'd get that office. They'd take their oath of office and then work for the people and work for the best government they can work for. And um, then it's said that there is a shift that once you get into Congress, your whole game plan is to stay in Congress. And 
that's not always putting the priorities in the proper perspective. What well, was it already like that when you came into Congress, or did you notice the shift? Or and do you see any hope for a return to getting the attention of Congress on the uh, on the debt, the national debt issue? Well, Nick, I'm not sure it was always like that. You know, one of my predecessors, uh, Congressman Regula, used to say it was about getting things done, and he did a great job in getting things done for Northeast Ohio. There was a shift. It was probably during the Clinton administration. Some people say it was during the Clinton impeachment that caused a lot of dysfunction. Uh, but <clears throat> what really has occurred now is it's not about the people anymore. It's about, as you just said, staying in Congress, staying in power. Um, and and the real issue, the real problem that I see is if you like going there. Now, I will tell you, Nick, my first six years were just unbelievable. I learned so much. I was always learning more about different things that I didn't know how the government ran. But after about six years, I started to see a tendency that if you're going down there and not getting anything accomplished, and I tell people this in the book, if, if you go to work every day and you're not getting anything accomplished, you're normally looking for a new job uh, because you just don't like what you're doing. But in Congress, if you stay there more than six or eight years, you become part of the problem because now you've accepted that you're okay not getting anything done and you're okay to be in this dysfunctional uh, situation, but you just want to go back. And, um, you know, for some of my colleagues that uh, are, are friends of mine still in Washington, uh, they know what I'm saying. I mean, they, they, if, if uh, it's true, because to go every day and be part of that dysfunction and not get anything accomplished, you wouldn't do that in the real world. But it's about still having that title congressman it's a still. It's about having that power, and I think people still um, enjoy that, and that's why they keep running. You know, Congress is such a dynamic place that you have to be full on to participate and have almost a glint in your eye to to be thrilled with being in Congress and getting the job done and constantly scanning to find all the problems that need to be attended to. Uh, do you think that uh, there should be term limits for congressmen? Because right now you have congressmen who can be there for a whole career and beyond. Well, I am, I am a big supporter of term limits. I will tell you, when I first ran, I was not. I believe that term limits were, were determined by the people because they had an opportunity to vote every two years or every six years. But what I learned in my eight years in Washington, and I talk about this in the book, too, um, people don't really do their homework. They vote for the name. They vote for the uh, individual, They don't really know the differences. Most of the time, they wouldn't hire the person they're electing in their own business or even to run their own family budget. Yet they elect people to Washington because it's the only name they know. Um, mm -hmm. And I saw that even in my most recent election is that, you know, I ran against somebody who'd been around for 44 years. So um, I do think term limits would be a way of fixing that. And some people say, well, <clears throat> with, ter with term limits, you know, members of Congress lose that, that historical perspective. I disagree with that. Look, um, you know, that historical perspective and, and what needs to be done isn't being done now yes, when well, people are there 20, 30 let, years. I let's, mean, it's, let's, it's hold, let's hold that thought right there. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to former Congressman Jim Renacci. Uh, about Congress and about the future of the United States, especially how it has to do with our, our finances and our, our debt control. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at Select. 
www.insservice.com. 440-237-8555 or select insservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of the Advocate for tonight. And we're talking to former Congressman Jim Renacci, uh, and we're talking about uh, the federal budget and his time in the Congress and uh, basically what he learned from that. And he's still active. Uh, Congressman Renacci, thank you again for joining us. Well, thank you again, Nick. You know, we, we talked in the first segment about uh, the book. Uh, tell us about the book. What's the name of the book? And uh, tell us why you wrote it and, and what does it cover? Well, Nick, I, when I left Congress, I said, look, I want to document a little bit about what I've learned, um, make sure that people understand at least how, how I saw Washington, a business guy, going into Washington. And I also... I never like to uh, talk about issues if I don't have um, a way of maybe talking about solutions as well. And one of the chapters, of course, is the solutions. But um, the book just really talks about uh, Washington, why it's broken, why we're not following um, policies and and processes that were set up 200 years ago, um, and why power and money become more important than actually getting the job done for the people. It also reflects back to specific issues that uh, uh, were part of what I ran into, whether it was the Speaker of the House or the, you know, um, you know what, what his perspective in many cases was, we can't do this or we can't do that because we have to make sure we hold the majority. And then I talk about it in the book. We lost the majority anyway, even though we were so concerned about doing certain things. So... Um, And then in the end, I talk about the solutions. So I wanted to document what I saw as the problems and then what I saw the solutions. And many of the solutions we talked about earlier, um, term limits, uh, getting some money out of politics, getting term limits in so uh, money and power do not become an obsession for people. Um, But the other thing is just following normal processes. We do have processes uh, that aren't we're not using, and even even today, when you talk about the impeachment process, we have a House which is not following a process, and we have the Senate, which of course is already talking about not following a process. And these are problems because there are processes that we should be working on. When you have a bill, there's a way of bringing a bill forward. None of this stuff is done in Congress, and it's just leadership driving the, the process to their benefit to maintain the leadership positions that they have in many cases. And that's a real problem as well. It's interesting. Uh, I ran into a theory as to how to restructure Congress. 
and it was basically taking, like now we're 243 years old here in the United States as far as our form of government, but the ratio we have of congressmen in the House of Representatives to the number of constituents, I think it's something like over 700,000 uh, here in Ohio per per district. Uh, one recommendation is that we change that with uh, you know modern technology and capabilities of, uh, of individuals to represent someone, change that ratio so we have a more manageable number of constituents per congressman in the House of Representatives. Uh, has that been talked about? Have you heard of that? Or did you feel when you were a congressman that you were able to communicate and get an exchange of information from your constituents? Well, I did, and uh, again, it's about $720,000 per congressional office, but at the same time, that's 435 members in the House of Representatives. Now, let me tell you, Nick, here's a problem. I, I chuckle. When I do my speeches, sometimes I say if, it, if there's 100 people in the room, I say we, will, we wouldn't be able to agree on the color of the paint in this room if we all try to sit down because everybody has their opinion. And one of the biggest problems in Washington is you got to get 435 people, half of them, which is 217, to agree on anything you want to get done. It's very, very difficult. So I don't know if it's better to have more numbers or if it's better just to have better processes. <clears throat> one of the things I talk about in the book is there's no reason why we can't vote from home. I mean, we, right. we travel, members of Congress travel back to Washington every week. The average ticket is probably $1,000. And you remember, some are coming from California uh, in places far, in the far west, Oregon. Uh, they're playing, paying $1,000 a ticket. That's about a million dollars a week just to be there for three and a half days, mainly to vote, which could be done from home in our technological Absolutely. Um, you know, process we have now. So there are ways to make it easier and better. And remember, you just hit the nail on the head. After 200 and some years, everything changes, whether you're in the business world, things change for the times. And we probably need to reflect on some of those things and make some changes to Washington. But I don't know what it would be about having more members of Congress, because I think that's already... Um, 435 is very difficult to manage. And that's and that's even a low number nowadays. But, uh, well, tell us the name of the book. I don't think I've heard the name. Sure. The, the name of the book is The GOP's Lost Decade. And, and I wrote that because I felt like I took a decade of my life to go to Washington by the time I started running for Congress. And there were many of us. We started sometime in 2009. And and um, and I wrote the book at, and, and released it at the end of 2019. So it was about a 10-year process. And I just believe, even though the Republicans took control of the House of Representatives, we got very little done when it came to immigration, when it came to a lot of the issues, our debts and deficits, all the things we talked about having to fix, nothing got accomplished. Thank goodness <clears throat> we were able to get some changes to our tax law. Uh, but that was really spearheaded by President Trump uh, because uh, Congress was having a difficult time even doing that. But we never got any of the things we said we were going to get done 10 years ago. And we lost the majority um, based on all these ideas and principles that we actually ran on a decade ago. Do, do you see any weakness and uh, or not weakness, but a breaking down of the gridlock we have in Congress or the apparent gridlock we have, say, in the House? based on party lines where we have this uh, fealty to partisanship. Uh, it seems like the, the best interest of the country sometimes, and maybe many times, is being sacrificed for partisanship and to be loyal to your side of the, the aisle. And any change in that, or are we doomed to live with that for the next decade? No, I think the problem is, again, partisanship comes because of uh, the processes being broken. I mean, if you think about it, uh, the impeachment uh, process that we just spent so many hours on was one-sided. But don't get me wrong, the tax uh, bill that was written when the Republicans were in process was one-sided as well. When you're in power and when you're in leadership, you don't let the other side participate. And I know you mentioned the one thing I tried to do <clears throat> when I was in Congress, I had a bipartisan breakfast every every week. 
I'm happy to say that that still continues now that I'm gone. I actually went back and visited one of the bipartisan breakfasts. Good for you. That but, was excellent, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a way of at least talking and getting things across. But at the same time, leadership doesn't have bipartisan breakfasts. In fact, leadership is very, very partisan. And I think in the end, uh, both sides of the aisle have, have to take blame. And the only way to fix it, again, is term limits and forcing the process to occur. And then not allowing people to go back if they're not doing their job. Nick, I have to chuckle. <laughs> so many people are mad at Congress. I mean, they say Washington isn't working. They're not happy. But they keep sending the same people back. And if you're going to send the same people back and you're not happy with it, then as I tell everybody, look in the mirror every morning. And when you think about whose fault it is, it's the person looking back at you because we keep sending the same people back and yet we don't like the process and we don't like the outcome. Oh, my. Hey, before we run out of time, uh, I have to ask, what is the USO connection to this book? Well, look, when I wrote the book, this, this, the, the country and the state has been so good to me. Like, I grew up in a uh, poor working class family. I started my first business at the age of 24 and I was able to live the American dream here in Ohio so I've been one who really has always wanted to give back um, to a lot of people that have that uh, maybe um, you know aren't as fortunate as me that's why I've been willing to serve in Congress to try and make sure that everybody has the opportunity to live the American dream but at the same time I've always been a big supporter of the veterans um, and I wanted to give back to them so <clears throat> What I've done is said that all the proceeds um, that, that I get from my book sales, um, I'm going to donate to the USO because I do believe we should be um, so proud of not only our military men and women, but we should also be so happy that they're willing to serve. And uh, I want to do whatever I can. I, I, I did that in Congress. I want to make sure I continue to do it. And it's one of the reasons I picked the USO uh uh, you know, to show my gratitude for all that, uh, you know, that our military men and women are doing to protect our country. Well, well very good. On that note, I'd like to thank, uh, you'll always be Congressman Jim Renason. So once there, you're it. So thank you so very much, Jim. And uh, good luck with the book and good luck to the USO and good luck to the country. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until 